you're already there with me in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We welcome you back. Hope that you have your Bible ready in 1 Peter chapter 1. It is clear when you read the opening sentences of 1 Peter that he's writing to Christians who are suffering. Persecution, no doubt. Other kinds of suffering common to our earthly existence, no doubt. In fact, there's a comprehensive expression in verse 6, various trials. Listen to the text, and then I will attempt to remind us of some things of rich value for every Christian anywhere, any place, in any time. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This New Testament book, 1 Peter, teaches us how to behave as Christians in a world that is not our permanent home and is often hostile toward what we believe and do. And along with that, how to endure the suffering that is common here on earth. This book, 1 Peter, informs us of how to cope with ordinary difficulty all the way to the top of the list the tremendous tensions and pressures and disappointments that can occur, the events that you did not ever expect, the tragedy, the unexplainable things. When you suffer, what do you need to remember? That's what we're going to let Peter answer for us in our time tonight. When you suffer, 
What do you need to remember? We're going to let Peter answer that and teach us. When you suffer, remember who you are. Before Peter gets into anything else about suffering, before he speaks of hope and endurance, before he speaks of obtaining the outcome of your faith, he wants suffering Christians to remember who they are. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When we are suffering, whatever the trial might be, wherever it falls on the list, if we let the pain of that difficulty take us away from who we are, we've lost the battle right there. Satan wants what hurts us to kill us and take us away from God forever. Satan wants us to hurt so bad we begin to blame God and accuse God and then leave God. That's what Satan wants. He wants us to get into our he wants to get into our heads and delete our convictions about who we are. Peter counters that. No matter what happens to us, we are blessed by God to be members of His family. When you were baptized, you were born into God's family. That doesn't mean nothing bad will ever happen. Rather, it means when bad things happen to us, wherever they fall on the list of badness, we are still members of God's family with a living hope, and it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In my suffering, my fear, my confusion and pain, God hasn't changed. The truth of my new birth into His family hasn't changed. The living hope based on the resurrection of Christ hasn't changed. So I can't change in the constancy of my trust and my obedience, such as we expressed in the song a moment ago. There are things very easy to remember when everything is going well. The good news of the gospel the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the truth that God is faithful, He always makes the way of escape, and then He watches over us and hears our prayers. When things are going well, it's easy to remember all of that and be able to recite it and maybe teach it to others. But when we are hit with tragedy and suffering, Satan wants us to push all that out of the way or at least doubt it or deny it and let it fade into the background. But when suffering, that's when it's most important for me to remember that I've been born into God's family. He is my Father, and on His end nothing has changed. When suffering, remember who you are and don't change who you are. Peter brings this up again over in chapter 2, so it must be very important. He says, 
In chapter 2, verse 9, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. With that, the apostle said, we are to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When suffering, focus. Remember, don't let it fade who you are as a child of God, a recipient of God's mercy. Remember where you are headed, verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. As a faithful member of God's family, we hold to this hope of heaven. And we ought to remember, nobody can take this from us. Cancer cannot take this from you. The government cannot take this from you. Age cannot take this from you. No enemy or threat can take this from you. In Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, it may be one of your favorite paragraphs in the Bible. I go here a lot. Knowing that Satan doesn't want me to go here, he doesn't want me to spend much time in Romans 8, but we're going to go there anyway. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how Will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The devil doesn't want us to read that. If we read it, he doesn't want us to believe it. If we read it and believe it, he doesn't want us to live like it or remember it or rely on it. But God's people read it, believe it, rely on it, even in very hard times, even when trouble hits you that you never expected. Hope is not just something out in the future, not just a dream. In the New Testament, hope is something you have now that is personal and living 
and active and it's part of us. It looks to the future, but it's what we hold to now. It is an anchor of the soul. And would you look at one of these words used by Peter? Unfading. When a flower grows past its peak, the beauty fades. This can never be said of our inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. It may be hard to take in because earthly possessions are subject to constant variation and change. Our eternal home is safely guarded by the Creator. I cannot let what God says fade away in my heart. I should remember who I am, one born into God's family, and remember where I'm headed, that unfading, beautiful home. When you suffer, remember the power that guards you. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to look at that verse and latch on to two phrases that are linked together. God's power through faith. My part, your part, is that second phrase, through faith. As my faith is continued, as my faith grows, it is God's power that's working through me, that I'm accessing. When I do something right under pressure, it was God's power, not mine. When I hold up under pressure based on the activity of my faith, God held me up. I don't get to take credit. To Him be the glory. When I'm able to think straight and make good choices, when emotions are caving in on me, God gives me His power through my faith and it guards me. It guards me. I am not alone here on earth, stuck with my power. When a believer is strong, it is not because the believer is so great or has earned some status or points. It is God who is great, strengthening His people and holding them up. It says here, He guards the faithful with His power. When times are hard, we need to remember who we are. We need to remember the hope that we have. And we need to remember that through the activity of our faith, God's power guards us. Remember the value of being tested. Verse 7 speaks of the testing of your faith. Now, it may be that sometimes we are tempted to say to God something like this, Lord, my faith is fine. No testing needed. I'm good. With respect to necessary discipline that God can use in our lives as defined over in Hebrews 12, 
We may want to plead our case and say, Lord, I've had enough discipline and test. I, I have endurance and I have courage and I'm just fine. Yet against our pleading, there is far above us greater wisdom. This says, 1 Peter 1, 7, that God tests the genuineness of our faith. And Peter says it's like gold that's being tested by fire. Have you ever stopped in your stress and just said to yourself, my life is on fire. Peter says it is like gold that is tested by fire. Problems, difficulties, challenges, suffering, and pain, there's hardly anything more characteristic of life on earth. Problems and pains and trials are all subject to human interpretation. Your interpretation may be, why doesn't God make all this go away right now? That's a human emotional interpretation. Peter's giving us the Christian's interpretation of suffering. In adversity, character is formed. Faith is tested. Now, take a few moments sometime and look at this carefully. And just think about the difficulties you've been through. I can see in my life the hardships I went through taught me lessons I needed and tested my character. And that was valuable. Now, at the time I was going through the hardship, I wasn't focused on that. I didn't spend much time thinking about how valuable this hardship is going to be later in my life. But I know now, I know what Peter says here. God uses hardships to teach us and refine us and equip us for future service. And you can look back and draw the same conclusions I've drawn. And Peter is telling us <coughs> exactly what James has already said in James 1, 2, and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. We need to remember that in the middle of the fire. And we need to remember that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That says so much. If God did that for us, will He not sustain us and strengthen us until we stand before Him? That's the point of Romans 8 that we read. One man said, who can mind the journey and the difficulties in the journey if you know for certain the destination? 
Got it? Who can mind the journey and the difficulties in the journey if you know for certain the destination? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember who you are, where you're headed, the power God promises to guard us through our faith, and the value of being tested. I want to read one more passage in conclusion. Peter follows through with this theme and listen to this in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16, before we sing. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Let's be standing as we sing.